Hello, 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 and welcome. This is the Real Football Podcast. I am your host, Lenny, a.k.a. Noah, as in the wise man with the beard and all that that goes with it. And on today's episode is Top 6 Talk, Top 6 Talk, and trust and believe the boy is gassed. I am fucking hyped right now. I cannot believe what I witnessed today on this beautiful, beautiful Sunday. I will get into that. However, as I said, top six talk. So we're going to speak about some of the other goings-ons within the top six clubs within the English Football Premier League. First things first, talking about Spurs. What do you expect? I mean, Spurs are the most consistently inconsistent team you could possibly find on this planet. I believe they're an analogous to Roma over in Syria who they just can't get their shit right. It, it doesn't matter what they do. They can never really go on a run. Even other great managers like a Jose Mourinho, like a Mauricio Pochettino, they cannot get things done. They win a game, they lose a game. They draw a game, they win a game. They lose a game. They There's no consistency and that just is what it is. Antonio Conte can't get them singing. He'll probably be gone in the summer. I'm hoping for Harry Kane's sake that he finally leaves the club because, as I said, he deserves to win a trophy at some point. Hopefully, he goes overseas to a Bayern Munich or something like that. Go get a free Bundesliga trophy. Um, but you know, Spurs, I mean, what do you expect? They went over to Wolves. They lost the game. I'm pretty sure if you were a betting person and you put money on Spurs today, you have not been paying attention. Not at all. This is what we expect from Tottenham. It is what it is. It doesn't matter who's on the field. They have two world-class forwards. I know Son has been quite poor by his standards this season so far, but his form is temporary, class is permanent. They just can't get things right. And if if you're playing under a Conte team and you are conceding goals, you're doing a lot of things wrong. Way too many things wrong because he's one of those managers, kind of like a Jose Mourinho. He builds from the back, kind of like a Diego Simeone. He tries to create that dogged, defensive style of football in which you you are pragmatic you know how to manage the game he like experienced football players for that reason but Spurs just cannot get it right and for that very reason they're in the precarious position that they're in right now they did nudge Newcastle out of the top four however are they going to stay in that top four I hope not because there is a team uh, my beloved beloved that is probably going to hopefully 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 take that place Moving on from them, Chelsea, a.k.a. Chaos FC, have finally gotten a win for Graham Potter. They kind of did it the hard way. I, I watched a bit of this game. Jao Felix is easily by far their best player. Um, if they can get him in the types of positions that he got in, in, especially in the first half in this game up against Leeds, Leeds play a quite an open brand of football for the most part. So it makes sense how, why a player like Jao Felix would be able to flourish when the game is open, when he does find, when he finds himself in those sorts of half spaces, right, be, right in front of a defense with Kai Havertz running in behind, doing what he needs to do. He's not a pure number nine. I've spoken about him quite a bit before. Chelsea need a pure nine. I don't know if they're going to keep Jao Felix. However, they are getting him in the right positions, and he's playing with a level of freedom that you don't see under Diogo Simeone over there at Atletico Madrid. So. 
he did hit the post. He was in a in a very good position to possibly receive the pass from Kai Havertz. Uh, I believe it was a two on one break. Havertz didn't pass him the ball. He probably should have. But those are the kinds of things that you work out over time when your team does have chemistry and they get to know each other and play together. I don't know how long this result will keep keep the vultures and the crows and all of those who are ready for Grand Potter to to get the sack. I don't know for how long this result will keep them at bay. I'm pretty sure anyone who's saying Potter out will still be saying Potter out. There was nothing too inspiring about this performance. Leeds are in the position on the table that they are for a reason. They are not... They're not that great. Um, they they got a f- they get a few results here and there. I know they did come to Anfield this season and win. They're the only team so far in the Premier League to have come to Anfield and won. A bit of a stain on our side, but we did get smacked around three 0 against Brighton and three 0 against Wolves, and I believe we lost against. A whole host of terrible, terrible games. However, that's not the point right now. Leeds were a good team for Chelsea to play. They did make it competitive. They stayed in the game. However, Wesley Fofana, who is back in the team, he's back fit now. He did get the goal off of, I believe it was a corner. Very sumptuous header. Um, He leapt up like a, a fish out of water, knocked that bad boy into the back of the net, and Chelsea managed to hang on get Graham Potter a win, form some sort of semblance of a team and just keep that moving forward. I know Raheem Sterling was involved quite a bit in the game. Um, And yeah, Chelsea, I guess they're just probably going to continue in mid-table for the rest of the season. They could have a very late charge towards a European place, but they probably want to stay out of that conference league space, especially I don't think they would mind Europa League too much considering right now they're f- facing not Europe. That might actually be preferable, especially in such a large squad. Although in such a large squad, they won't be able to get rid of as many players as they would need to to get it down to a manageable size. So having a Europa League uh, group stages next season would probably do them some good, get more games into the team to foster that chemistry to really get get that the 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 team cohesion going so we'll see how they continue throughout the season i think jao felix is obviously he's a joy to watch he's a fantastic footballer seeing him play in a in with a lot more freedom is is encouraging it's exciting he's he's a great footballer very very silky player I think I don't know if Chelsea are gonna go out and buy him, considering they already have Gunku coming coming through. They play in similar spaces. I don't know if that's gonna be the case, but Jao Felix, he he'll be one to watch for at least the rest of this season in Chelsea, is as long as he can play in that position, and he's not playing against your team. Moving away from them and much further up the table into the title race, the two title winners, uh, title contenders um the two horses in this race they both had home games up against teams uh one at the absolute bottom of the table in Bournemouth for Arsenal I will get to that but first things first City played Newcastle a Newcastle team who lost their first final in I think that was their first final since the 90s or something like that Newcastle 
as 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 much as the Geordies will try and make you believe they are not a big club. They just simply aren't. Having a lot of supporters does not make you a big prestigious club. End of story. Unfortunately, they lost uh, up against United last Sunday. They went up against City in the early game. City maintained possession. They handled business. Uh, Phil Foden, he, he seems to be really really getting into that full Foden that we saw in last season and a little bit more in this previous season before that he's finding his form again which is a bad which is bad news for every other team in the league because he's a he's an electric talent when he's on it it seems he's shaken off the world cup he's come back into the team he's playing a little bit more on the right and he's been in and amongst the goals recently he's scored in their previous outing, uh, in the 4-1 win that they had recently, and he has scored again. He opened the deadlock in this game against Newcastle. And what we've seen with this Newcastle team is that if you score against them, it's game over because they cannot score. Callum Wilson is having a really poor season. I don't know if he was... I don't think he was scoring much before. And since Miguel, Miguel Almiron has stopped scoring and he was he was in the form of his life before the World Cup, since he stopped scoring, no one has really stepped forward to take that, that place in the team to be like, I will take the responsibility. I'm a little bit disappointed in Isak at the moment. He's not starting over Callum Wilson. Doesn't make any sense to me, especially since Callum Wilson is not doing the job. Probably from a more defensive standpoint, Eddie Howe had them getting a lot of clean sheets over and over again. That's dried up as well. And since they aren't scoring goals, they're dropping like a stone. They haven't won a game in at least five Premier League games right now. They lost to us home and away. They lost to City now. 2-0, um, the second goal being Bernardo Silva in the second half. Pretty comfortable, routine win for Man City. And like I predicted, Newcastle, they, they're just not going to make top four. They don't have what it takes to get to this position this late in the season when you're fourth, fifth, within a couple points of the top four spaces. You need to have depth to continue that surge, especially as a smaller team, a team that doesn't have the experience of doing it over and over again, years and years, uh, and especially since it's a new team as well, relatively. They haven't been to playing together for three, four seasons, kind of similar to what West Ham were. They were exciting for a long time. They've lost that momentum. The cup final probably, probably took a lot of wind out of their sails right now. I don't see them finishing top four. If they can make Europa League, I think that'll be a great season for them all in all, especially considering that last year, this time in the season, they were in a relegation battle. So you need to take... You need to zoom out a little bit with, with their supposed meteoric rise and take it at face value that, okay, these guys have been, they were in the relegation picture literally last season. And then Eddie Howe came in and they he got them playing well. He got them scoring goals. He got them winning games. But one step at a time. And this step is hopefully for them to finish top six. Uh, they'll probably take Chelsea's place in top six, um, even top seven. If they were to make Europe, I think that's a good season for them, especially Europa League. 
and then push forward on and try and build that build onto a platform for next season and the season beyond that. And since City won that game, the pressure was back on Arsenal. Arsenal played, I believe, about in the game window right after that. This game is a really weird one. Arsenal at home against Bournemouth, that's three points. This Arsenal at the top of the table, five points clear, that is three points every day of the week. However, this game was a really, really weird one. So I was watching the Chelsea game, Chelsea versus Leeds, because I figured that might be a little bit more competitive. I figured Leeds would give Chelsea a hard time. They did, however, it wasn't a great watch. And so I didn't watch the first half of the Arsenal game. Those games were happening at the same time. But I did see the highlights of that goal from kickoff that Billington scored or Billing scored. And it looked like a set play, one of those just ridiculous ones. I don't know how Arsenal conceded that, especially at home. But even still, at 1-0 down the entire game, right the way through or just seeing this live score because with the NBC broadcast here in the US they have the live scores of the other games happening at the same time as the, as the game that you're watching at the moment they have in the top right corner just it, it flicks between the different games um, and so I'm busy watching okay West Ham are getting destroyed by Brighton <laughs> they're not the only ones and I saw the Arsenal game was continued at 0 1-0, 1-0, 1-0 to Bournemouth, 1-0 to Bournemouth, 1-0 to Bournemouth. And the entire time, at no point did I think, okay, yeah, Bournemouth might actually get something from this game. It's one of those classic title challenging title winning games in which you go down and you just have to fight it out you have to get your hands dirty and duke it out it's one of those games where you need to rely on your stalwarts in the team to put the team on your shawl on on their shoulders and just drive you guys through to the finish line and get the three points and then get it done now i flicked over to the arsenal game to the Arsenal versus Bournemouth game, once I saw that, number one, the Chelsea game was a little bit dull, uh, and number two, that Bournemouth had scored again. At 2-0, makes it a little bit interesting. I still thought that there's no way Arsenal are going to lose at home to Bournemouth. No fucking chance. I switch over to the game and trust and believe Arsenal were putting on all the pressure all the time and in these sorts of situations and I was uh, I spoke about this in the previous episode 2-0 is the most dangerous lead because Bournemouth completely dug in they were like okay we have something to hold on to let's just stick it out admittedly they ventured for time and uh, a few times they they didn't really threaten they did have a, a half opportunity half chance here and there they made a few things happen and go their way. However, Arsenal were not having it. The second, and I mean the second, that Arsenal scored, and in these kinds of games we see it time and time again, we, we've seen City do it so many times, we've seen Liverpool do it in the previous years so many times. These great teams, if they go down, we see Real Madrid, oh jeez. Oh, I just reminded myself of that terrible, terrible Real Madrid result. However, we saw Real Madrid do it um, not a week ago, if not two weeks ago at this point. These teams, once they get that first one, once they get that first goal, 
that's it. It's a wrap. And once the momentum goes their way, and especially if they're playing at home, that home crowd really gets going and the Emirates was a bouncing. The second Thomas Partey puts that goal in, um, it's a little bit scrappy there. Bournemouth completely switch off. They're at the back post. He knocks it in. He's all by himself. He knocks it in. You've got to be banking on an Arsenal win at that point. Um, not too long after that, Ben White gets gets it to 2-2 and it's on. Um, the three points must have been in their minds. I, I believe that was around the 70th minute or so. It, it was, it was, there was a decent amount of time left on. Trust and believe Bournemouth did every single thing that they possibly could to waste as much time as they possibly could. And they were re- they were actually quite successful with this right up until, and uh, I've seen the memes of it with <laughs> Arteta asking for seven minutes. I thought, okay, it's probably going to be six minutes. They gave them six minutes, and within those six minutes, Bournemouth continued to waste time as as any club would do in that situation. So it's not even it's no. I'm not going to be high and mighty about this. I completely understand the situation was tough. They need those three points, especially down at the bottom there. They're fighting for their lives, so they're going to do whatever they can to waste as much time as they could to get over the line. So quick note before I speak about the final occurrences within this game. Emil Smith-Rowe, he looked like a proper talent last season, the season before. Uh, He looked like he, before they gave him the number 10 shirt, he was looking like he could be him and Saka could be the 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 next generation of Arsenal stars. I don't know what happened or what's been going on. I assume he's been injured when you don't see these players for time for a long time. I just assume that they're injured and Odegaard kind of came into the team, took that number 10 spot and since then he hasn't locked down a starting space I thought okay maybe he might drift to the left and play from the left no Martinelli's there Odegaard's in the center and Saka's killing it on the right so he has no place in the team I saw that he did play today he came on he was subbed on I believe for Trossard I'm not entirely sure but he was subbed on and then subbed back off tough one very tough one for a young player who looked really promising for quite a long time. I'm sure he'll come back and Arteta has showed that he he's quite he's a fantastic man manager. And so he'll probably feature him maybe a bit more in in the Europa League stages and so on and so forth. We'll see what happens with that. But that's a low light for Arsenal in what is a beaming, amazing season so far. However, Reese Nelson did come on for Emil Smith Rowe. Reese Nelson is the guy who got the assist to play in Ben White to equalize a gorgeous cross there. And he's the guy, I believe it's 97th minute, 98th minute. Bournemouth have wasted as much time as they possibly could. It really felt like the last action of the game before the ref blew the whistle it was about a minute or so over the allotted six minutes of added time and Reese Nelson pops up the ball is bobbling in the box you could tell Bournemouth were exhausted 
they were exhausted billing himself the guy who scored the first goal one of the fastest goals in the Premier League ever I think it's the second fastest of all time uh, behind Shane Long a couple of years ago and I, I just just seeing them trying trying to eke out this result this valuable point at the Emirates he looked exhausted the entire Bournemouth team looked exhausted in that moment and someone needs to step up in these kinds of moments in these kinds of title races and Arsenal have done this time and time again they did it at Villa Park they did it against United in that last minute winner and they come up and Reese Nelson a lad from the Arsenal Academy steps up with an absolute rocket and the Emirates erupts absolute pandemonium it was beautiful beautiful scenes if you're an arsenal supporter i'm sure the city fans all five of them out there in the world were quite dejected from that because they were probably thinking hey we might go it might the gap might just be three points now not to be the case arsenal are here to stay they have answered that blip with win after win after win after win they're doing really well they're back to their best and this title race is alive this title race is a live and it's going to quite possibly go the distance unless one of them completely capitulates, which is unlikely at this point, considering Arsenal have bounced back from their wobble. There is, are a lot of points to play for still at this at this point, And I still think that five points is a very small lead at this stage of the game. But especially since they have to meet at the Etihad in a few weeks time. This this is going to be a great title race. Um, good luck to Arsenal. That was and the funny thing is that if if Arsenal had won this game three 0 like I'm pretty sure most of us uh, expected, a uh, very routine game and and you know the Emirates isn't necessarily bouncing. Of course, there's a feel good factor, but having to go through that adversity and climbing themselves out of that two 0 hole to win. In that fashion, at the end of the game, with essentially the last kick of the game, with your academy winger stepping up off the bench to get an assist, get a goal, boom. I think that win gives them more momentum than if they had just won the game 3-0 like everyone would have expected. And so... Good luck to Arsenal. You guys are flying right now. Um, you guys will have Europa League uh, obligations soon and soon, very soon. And so it's going to be interesting how they how Arteta navigates that. And now, on to what is quite possibly the most ridiculous result I've ever seen in my entire life. One of my all-time favorite games already, and the game only finished about a couple hours ago. Liverpool up against our arch rivals, our eternal nemesis, the Barcelona to our Real Madrid, Manchester United, the derby of the northwest of England. It was a phenomenal game, phenomenal game, phenomenal day. Every Liverpool supporter is beaming. Everyone who is not a United supporter is laughing and it's going to go down in history. This is one of the most amazing games that I've ever seen in my entire life. I couldn't believe what I was watching. I couldn't believe how United just completely fell apart in the second half. Story of the game. And so, 
Liverpool, we started really, really well. We were on the front foot, very intense, very aggressive, winning 50-50s, physical, bullying, all these sorts of attributes that we've been crying out for from the team all season. We saw them in this game right here. It's as if they had rediscovered their magic touch. It's as though Michael Jordan had beaten the, the Monstars and... He gave the NBA All-Stars their powers back and they were back at it. Fabinho looked immense. Henderson was all over the place. He was he was in, in, a, good, in a good way. He was running the, the Jordan Henderson of old. The title-winning Jordan Henderson was back. Harvey Elliott, take a fucking bow. He was phenomenal linking up with the with the front three and I will get to the front three who had a, a, a wow the games of their lives so far Harvey Elliott I think he was he'll probably go down uh, and since he wasn't on the score sheets he'll probably be a little bit under wraps but he was immense he was an absolute nuisance uh, linking up with Mohamed Salah and Trent Alexander-Arnold on the right there. The, the combination play was fantastic. He also pressed reasonably well. He was strong in his physical duels. Great game from him. 10 out of 10 game from the young central midfielder who isn't really a center mid, but he he's he's adapting to that role there. I think this game also, before I get into the goal scorers and the flow of the game, it speaks to how important Konate is because Konate, especially in that first half when the game was still reasonably even, United had better the better share of certain aspects of the game. Konate was there. He was in the right positions at the right time. He won his, his aerial duels. He, he was the perfect Robin to Van Dyke's Batman. And those two as a center back pairing if those two can start for 90 percent of our games for the rest of the season we will be able to make top four we will be able to have more big results and onto the game of the flow of the game so earlier on like i said liverpool started with the requisite intensity that this game requires that this this uh the magnitude of the second biggest derby on the planet requires we delivered United were just a shade off. They were just a percent off there, 2% off there. And you could kind of tell it was getting in their heads. The game was a little bit scrappy and feisty, as it should be. This game should be feisty. There should, unfortunately, be red cards that should actually be yellow cards. And it lived up to that. There was a, a sense of tangible excitement. United had a couple of great opportunities to open the scoring before the demolition ensued and first things first Anthony had a fantastic curler I've I've been shitting on this guy quite a bit um he had a really good first half to to be completely honest he defensively did well he sort of troubled Robertson a little bit not necessarily but he did his job he cut inside hit a curler Allison saved it very well done a little bit of a scare for us because Liverpool we weren't creating any real open opportunities um in that first first 20 30 35 minutes of the game we did have one opportunity earlier on that martinez who ended up having a really poor game but he he had a fantastic stop up against darwin nunez there to prevent the opener bruno fernandez had 
a guilt-edge chance to open the scoring. And if he scores this, we're talking about a different game altogether. This was around the 27th minute. About a minute later, Rashford was through. He got poor contact on the ball and it went straight to Allison. And from there, I was like, okay, geez, we've had a few scares. United have been on the back foot for the majority of the game. However, we we re-upped the ante and it was just bliss from this moment onwards. Robertson plays a gorgeous through ball. Uh, he takes two players out of the game, right through to Cody Gakpo, who had the game of his life so far. My word, he was phenomenal in this game. Cody Gakpo takes it on the right. He cuts inside and boom. And there's a little bit of hesitancy. He hesitates just a half second. And if you watch the replay, there's a defender who's covering that back post who goes a little bit past where Gakpo actually finishes. That's the finish of a confident young man who knows how to find the back of the net. 1-0, Anfield erupts. We go into halftime, 1-0 up. Perfect. Absolutely fantastic stuff. That's the best you can ask of considering United's form. They literally just won a trophy uh, the week before, seven days ago on Sunday, and they had just beaten West Ham coming from behind in the FA Cup. So they're still alive in more competition, in three competitions. I'm going to say three with air quotes because the Premier League's done for them at this point. Ha <laughs> ha. And we come into uh, into the second half, and this is where it gets absolutely loopy. United, like I said, they were losing 50-50 after 50-50, and it got worse and worse and worse throughout the second half. A scrappy, almost like a pure Klopp Liverpool type of goal where it wasn't it wasn't a pretty picture painted with passing. No, it was a bit of a scrappy one where they're just winning 50-50 after 50-50 and then eventually the ball finds itself into the into the box. It, I believe Salah plays it back to Harvey Elliott. Harvey Elliott po- crosses it in. Darwin Nunes 2-0. This is about a minute into the second half and so we're up 2-0. Anfield erupts. Nunes. No, Nunes. Oh, geez, I done fucked up the, his chance uh, and it's such a simple one anyways. Doesn't matter. He scored the goal. Not a minute later, Salah, oh, Salah puts he he sends Martinez to the shadow realm. <laughs> he turns him inside and out. Martinez slips. Salah gets past him. He plays in Cody Gakpo. Cody Gakpo with the most sumptuous finish at the near post, right over David de Gea for three 0 Anfield is going wild. I am standing up, making a noise. It's about eleven thirty in the morning. I am jumping up and down, fist in the air. It's amazing stuff. Not too long after that, and it just got better and better and better. We have a fantastic counterattack. I believe it was from a United either free kick or corner. Cody Gakpo and Salah linking up. Apologies, that's for the that's for the third goal. Uh, we had a fantastic counter. Uh, there was a deflection from a Darwin Nunes. He, he, Darwin tried to play in Salah. It falls to Salah anyways. He, he hits the volley with his right foot off the underside of the crossbar. 4-0 win Dreamland. This is Dreamland. Any Liverpool supporter loves 
to destroy United. And we've been so blessed in my time as a Liverpool supporter. There's a couple of results. We had the 4-1 up against United at Old Trafford back in 2009. Fernando Torres showed Vidic a boost that day. He tended to he tended to have the better of Vidic. Uh, we had the 3-0 in 2014, when we absolutely embarrassed uh, United at Old Trafford as well, we had the 5-0, of course, oh, last season when Naby Keita, with that, that amazing away kit, I have that kit, it'll always be near and dear to me because of that result. 5-0 at Old Trafford, we beat them 4-0 last year, but this one, this one takes the cake, absolutely. We're up 4-0, it's about 55 minutes on the clock, and United just never got going. They never got going. They, there was no response. At some point, at about 3-0, I figured, okay, there would be some sort of response. They might score. We probably win this game 3-1. They never got going. They never matched the intensity across the board. This was an 11-man capitulation of the highest order, and it's going to go down in the history books for a couple reasons. Not too long after that, we have a free kick and boom, Darwin Nunes, uh, I believe Henderson plays him in. Darwin Nunes, gorgeous little flick, looped over David De Gea into the back of the net, 5-0. Cody Gakpo's on two. Darwin Nunes is on two. I don't want to ever hear a United supporter talk shit about Darwin Nunes ever, ever, ever again. (laughs) Yes, please. Not too long after that, uh, Klopp rings in the changes. He brings off these guys who have had the games of their lives so far. We're up 5-0. Anfield is rocking. United look absolute shells of themselves. Bruno Fernandes is embarrassing himself all over the pitch, diving for no reason, trying to call fouls where there are no fouls. Um, these guys are trying to kick out. They completely, completely lost their heads. And I'm talking about guys like Rafael Varane. Four Champions Leagues, one World Cup, absolute legend of the game, Casemiro. He had to be bought off because he, I mean, there's no point in him giving injured at 5-0 down and <laughs> uh, the Olays were going, it was, it, was event- it was essentially a carnival. It's the most perfect possible Liverpool day and it kept getting better because Bashetic, Harvey Elliott, they were doing whatever they wanted on the right flank, Harvey Elliott get plays in. He plays in Salah. Uh, there was a little bit of uh, 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 oh, you know, he played in Bobby Firmino, I believe, and there was a little bit of a ricochet. The ball falls to Mohamed Salah. Boom! He gets his second. It means that Mohamed Salah, with 129 Premier League goals, is Liverpool's all-time top scorer in the Premier League ever. He surpassed Robbie Fowler. He's past Steven Gerrard. Give this guy a fucking statue at this point because Mo Salah, the pharaoh, the king, wow. Phenomenal, phenomenal player and who would have thunk it? He's only been here, what, six years and he's already on this number of goals and he's still going. He's still got it. He's got years in him. There's been a lot of questions about him since he signed that big, fat, beautiful contract. He's deserved it, to be 100% honest. And... He showed today why we need to always, always respect this man. And it didn't even finish there. We're up 6-0 at this point. And to put the icing on the cake, Bobby Firmino, who 
during the week has said that he's going to be leaving Liverpool Football Club. Now, pragmatically, looking at the team, his time probably came about a year, maybe two years ago. He started the season really, really well, showing that, hey, he does have something to offer. Him and Klopp sat down. He said, okay, listen, Bobby's going to move on. We all received the news. Mane was my favorite of the of the front three. I'm still sad seeing him play for Bayern. He's probably going to win the Bundesliga for them this season. But Bobby Firmino is a lot of people's favorites. Um, the way that he plays is selflessness. His skills, I mean, his highlight reel is going to be ridiculous at the end of the season when they start to put those packages together. I'm not an emotional guy. I might just tear up a little bit when I see him leaving. However, to put the icing on the cake, he gets the final goal there. It's 7-0. Si, senor. Give the ball to Bobby and he'll score. Oh my goodness, 7-0. And the important thing about 7-0 here is that not only is that Manchester United's biggest ever Premier League loss, no, that's not the only thing. It is equal to Manchester United's bigger, biggest ever loss ever in their entire history. This is the biggest club in England and they just got their asses absolutely tall torched at Anfield. This is the worst ever Manchester United result, bar none. Reason being is that this is their worst loss since 1931. So they've lost three times before this game, 7-0. All in, I believe the first one was 1926, then it was 1930, 1931. They were to like Aston Villa, I think Wolves or like Brighton or something like that. So teams that don't really get under United's skin. But now Liverpool has come along in United's best season in a decade, in Liverpool's worst season in the past six years. And we have torn them to absolute shreds. We have given them their biggest loss in the history, the worst loss in the history of Manchester United. We gave them six goals in one half. It was at Anfield. It does not get better than this. In terms of a derby, in terms of when there's not necessarily a trophy on the line or anything like that, but in terms of a regular season fixture, nothing gets better than this. This is absolute bliss. Klopp and the lads, I know you guys have been trash for a long time this season. You guys have been giving me hot palpitations all season long. It's worth it. Literally just for this result, just for this result. Anytime I hear anything from a United supporter for at least the next two or three years, it's going to be like 7-0, shut your ass up. My goodness gracious me. Odds on, this might be the most embarrassing loss for, maybe not the most embarrassing, but this is probably the worst loss. The worst loss for a top six team Probably ever. I mean, United lost 6-1 against Spurs at Old Trafford a couple years ago. We lost 7-2 against Aston Villa in that freak anomaly game. We lost 6-1 against Stoke in Steven Gerrard's last ever game. City beat United 6-1 a long time ago at this point. And Arsenal lost 8-2 against Man United. But none of those games was a seven-goal margin. And in all of those games... At least the losing team scored. We beat Manchester United 7-0. That's their worst loss in 92 years. 
you welcome Red Devils, you welcome other Premier League fans who rejoice in seeing Man United pain. <laughs> what a perfect way to end the weekend. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, theys and thems, that's me done for today. I'm gonna just, I might have those highlights on, on replay throughout the rest of the week. There's Champions League this week. Very much looking forward to that. Bayern vs. PSG round two. That's me done for the day. Please have a blessed, blessed day. And to United supporters, long may this live in memory. I'm going to bring it up a lot. <laughs> you all take care. <laughs>